Hey y'all, it's Janice here, aka J Nice on the mic, and this is Dirty Diversity, a podcast on all things diversity, equity, and inclusion. This podcast is called Dirty Diversity because in this day and age, diversity has become sort of a dirty or bad word that causes a lot of knee-jerk and negative reactions. The goal of this podcast is to dissect diversity, or lack thereof, inside and outside of companies, and also to discuss current events around equity and inclusion, as well as discussing solutions for creating a more cohesive world and workplace. My name is Janice, aka J Nice on the mic. <laughs> that was and still is my moniker on YouTube. Some of you may know I started a YouTube channel almost 10 years ago to discuss topics around race and black identity, and it seemed to really resonate with my audience. I'm also a TEDx speaker, a professor, a diversity and inclusion consultant, and a writer with a PhD in organizational psychology. Welcome to Dirty Diversity, and thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy to have you here with me. Hey y'all, Jay Nice on the mic, back with episode 13 of Dirty Diversity. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you are having a lovely week or you had a lovely week. We are almost nearing the beginning of a new month. So I'm hopeful and optimistic about the future and I hope you all are as well. For today's discussion, we are going to dive into strategies to have effective racial dialogue and how to recognize your privilege. I first wanted to say before we dive into the episode that I really thank you all for listening. It makes me light up to know that There are many of you who find value in this podcast, and I really appreciate your listenership. And again, (laughs) I just am uh, kindly asking you to, if you haven't done it already, please take a moment to rate the podcast and leave a review. What this does is it helps other people to find the Dirty Diversity podcast, which is an amazing thing because we want more love to be infused into the workplace, y'all. So when you share it, sharing is caring. More people find out about this podcast. So I have to give a shout out to my colleague, Artie. Uh, So Artie and I were part of a panel. Uh, So those of you who uh, know me know that I have a background in organizational psychology. So there is a annual conference that I go to called SIOP. And SIOP stands for the Society of Industrial Organizational Psychologists. And this upcoming, or this year, in April of 2020, this weekend actually, or this past weekend, I was supposed to be at the annual conference, which was taking place in Austin, Texas. And of course, because of COVID, the conference was canceled. But we, I, I'm part of a panel of on uh, women 
And so the panel was going to focus on women in leadership and women's development and things of that nature. And one of my colleagues, Artie, actually let me know that she listens to the podcast and that meant the world to me. So Artie, if you're listening, thank you so much. She is located in or she is based in India. So that means a lot to me that we have some listeners, some international listeners. And also if you if you all follow me on Instagram, you saw you may have saw that I posted last week that this podcast is actually charting uh, based on Chartable. Chartable let me know that this podcast is 137 in the management podcast in the United States, which for some people that's like 137, you're all the way down the list. But I don't know how many podcasts there are. I'm assuming tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. I don't know how many management podcasts there are. I tried to look it up, couldn't find that info, but it means a lot to me that it is charting. It's really cool. I think it's like 35 in Brazil as well, which I thought is super interesting. So shout out to those of you who listen and find value in the podcast. And again, I would encourage you to share with your friends, family, if you find this podcast interesting and helpful. Um, so what else? What else? What else? So, um, oh, also, so as you all know, um, this podcast pretty much focuses on, or it's solo episodes. And and as I shared, when I first started on the very first Dirty Diversity episode, I shared that I actually prefer solo episodes. I have fallen in love with many podcasters and just their style of podcasting really makes me gravitate toward the podcast to hear their voice. So I'm not the hugest fan. Sometimes I I do, uh, you know, with uh, Speak Your Way to Cash with Ashley Kirkwood. Um, That's a podcast I was recently on. And I'll leave a link to that episode if you're interested in listening in the show notes, and that's a uh, podcast I love to listen to interviews, but I love Miley Teal's podcast where she just does, for the most part, solo episodes, and I find that in episodes where it's an interview, and if it's an interview with someone I'm not really, you know, the background doesn't align with mine, I don't listen to that episode. So I think that those of you who listen, I assume that you enjoy some of the things that I discuss and you find value in that. And I think that I'm really trying to just build a community with you all who are interested in bettering your workplaces, infusing more love into your workplace. And so this podcast is really an attempt to establish this relationship with you all listening. So I was not the hugest fan of interview style, but I have two interviews that are coming up. One is with my friend, my close friend and colleague, who is also a female professor of color. And we're going to be diving into PR. Her focus is in public relations and communication and media. And so we're going to be talking about... Um, diversity within the field of public relations and the implications in our media and what some of the ripple effects of this are, as well as uh, diversity and inclusion in academia. So we're going to dive pretty deep. And also, 
a lovely person that you all may know, Kay Fabella, who is a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant. We are scheduled to also have a chat that is coming up. So look out for those episodes, and I encourage you to follow me on Instagram or follow Dirty Diversity Podcast. All the links for Instagram and social media, uh, LinkedIn, and all that are in the show notes. So I was inspired to... Uh, create this episode because I am currently listening to the book So You Want to Talk About Race on Audible. I love reading, but I've just found that Audible and just listening to books is so much more convenient um, to maximize my time. I'm one of those people that likes to like maximize my time. So when I'm showering, I'm listening to a YouTube video or a podcast and I have... um. Me and my brother have YouTube Premium, so it's nice because you can uh, listen to things without ads and commercials. So I really try to maximize my time when I'm cooking, when I'm um, exercising or working out from home. I try to listen to a podcast or do something to stimulate my mind. So listening to this book, so you want to talk about race, and um, it it really... Uh, inspired me to make this episode. So there are so many race-related books that are in my queue on my Audible, and I haven't had a chance to listen to. Another one is this book, Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together at the Lunch Table or at Lunch, something along those lines. Haven't listened to that. That one's like 13 hours long on Audible. So You Want to Talk About Race, I think, is only eight hours. So when it's like the longer books, I just find that it's so hard for me to listen to the books in its entirety with the exception being Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. That one was like almost 20 hours long. Um, So anyway, I want to dive into how to have effective racial dialogue. So if you are in, you know, when you're thinking about your workplace, you might have, and every workplace has its DEI related issues. A very common issue, even outside of the workplace, is an inability to have productive and effective racial dialogue. So how do you talk about race? How do you have a conversation that's fruitful and productive? And that's what the focus of today's episode is going to be. So one of the ways to have effective racial dialogue is to immerse yourself in information about cultures that are outside of your own. This is important for everyone. Don't think that because you are a person of color, you don't have to do any self-work or unlearning. Um, I myself, I try to really um, immerse myself or feed myself information about other cultures. I watch this amazing show on Netflix called Gentified. If you are listening, if those of you listening, which I assume all of you have Netflix, you should check it out. It's really interesting. It's about, you know, I've been to L.A., but I don't know that much about the Mexican culture within L.A., but it focuses on a family within uh, a part of LA, a Mexican family, and just looking at the dynamics and the one of the themes is like culture, not feeling like you're Mexican enough, not feeling, and I felt that before where I felt like, am I black enough? Am I Cameroonian enough? Am I, so going through those those thoughts in your head and just seeing the impacts and how this group of people 
deals with the gentrification that is taking place in their town and grappling with that because there are some some benefits to gentrification but it also um it it makes a community lose the culture that's within the community which is what makes many communities what they are here within the United States and abroad. So it's just really interesting. So um, immersing yourself in information about other cultures. I also watched this show with my husband on Netflix. I'm forgetting the name, but it's about Hasidic Jews. So good. It was like four or five episodes. And I, I know a little bit about... Hasidic Jewish culture because I went to school in Long Island, New York, and there's a lot of Jewish people in Long Island, New York, and at Hofstra University, which is where I got my PhD from. So I went to school with a few people who were Hasidic Jews. So I know, I knew a little bit about the culture, um, but watching that show on Netflix really opened my eyes to a little bit more about the culture. So um, I think immersing yourself in cultures outside of your own is critical to having effective racial dialogue because a lot of the times there is that uncomfortability because we don't know a lot about cultures outside of our own. No matter how quote-unquote woke you think you are, there's always more to learn about people and culture, so that's really important. Um, I also, I recognize that I don't fully understand the experiences of other groups of people, like transgendered people, so I really try to learn more about that group um, so that I can be a better advocate and a better ally. At, you know, I, ca- I can't call myself, I feel like, to call yourself a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant, you really have to also be doing the self-work. I can't, I have to practice what I preach. I can't be over here encouraging others to do the self-work and to unlearn the oppressive ideals and regimes and values that we've learned and been indoctrinated into in our cultures without doing that work on myself. I also am looking to learn more information about Native Americans and Native American culture. I don't know a lot about this culture. I One of my best friends is actually, she works for Indian Health Services, IHS. So she is in New Mexico. She works on a reservation as a pharmacist. So I um I know a little bit about Native American culture from her and what she she shares with me but I recognize that I need to there's so much more to learn. So it's important to do the self work, immerse yourself in other cultures and learn. Also, having impactful and effective racial dialogue in order to do that you have to recognize your own privilege this is one of the things that the author of so you want to talk about race discussed um, in her book um, is the importance of recognizing your own privilege i think when we say privilege people's minds might automatically go to white privilege but each of us have privilege in different ways so Excuse me, I actually wrote down um, some of the many privileges that I have, and I wanted to share with you all here is what I wrote down. Um, So when you're thinking about privileges, um, I wanted to think about, or I started to think about, 
think about who doesn't have the same freedom and opportunities that I have right now. So in thinking about that question, I came up with this list. So some privileges that I have are that I am college educated. I am, even though I'm a black woman, I'm a lighter skinned black woman, and that comes with privileges. I have weight privilege. Someone who looks at me would classify me as probably, quote unquote, I don't even know what you would call it, regular weight. Um, I'm not overweight and I'm not underweight. Um, And in our society, in Western cultures, um, there is a celebration of thinner bodies, thinner female bodies especially. Um, Outside of our culture, like in many African cultures, like in Cameroon, uh, larger female bodies are celebrated because if you are a larger woman, that indicates that you have wealth and that you're well-fed. So a, a woman of my size going over to Cameroon, for example, people might look at me and think, she doesn't have a lot of money. And they might see a woman who is larger and is more full-figured and think, okay, she has a lot of wealth. So in our society, I have weight privilege, and I recognize that. I also come from a two-parent household. My parents are have been married for over 20 years, and I came from a stable home environment because there's many two-parent households, but it was not stable. One parent or both parents were not active, not loving parents. I came from a, a, a very stable home environment. Um, my parents or my family was also middle class. So growing up, I, you know, I don't remember ever wanting for things. And when I did, my dad made me go out and get a job when I was 15. Um, also, my parents are college educated, which is privilege in itself, which contributes to the fact that um, we were middle classes, that my parents are both college educated and my siblings are college educated. Um, I recognize that the way that I talk is less threatening and more palatable to the white majority. And people have told me that. Um, my high school, I went to high school in part of the my high school, ninth and 10th grade, I went to a private school in Minnesota. And the last two years of my high school, I was in Norfolk, Virginia. And when I moved to, from Minnesota to Norfolk, Virginia, people were saying to me, many of my black peers were like, you talk white. You talk like you're white. Why do you talk like that? So I recognize that I, the way that I talk and the way that I present myself and, and definitely my lighter skin makes me more palatable to white audiences and that's a privilege. Um, I have straight privilege. I am cisgender. Uh, I am able-bodied. I don't have any disabilities and that gives me privilege. I have citizenship privilege. I am was born and raised in the United States, so that comes with many, many privileges. And having an American passport is a huge privilege. Um, I have mental health privilege. I don't have any sort of mental conditions. And I also, I don't have any kids. So I have time flexibility privilege, whereas I could go to, you know, if I had, if my... I was part of an organization that had an after work happy hour. I don't have familial obligations, so I have that privilege. So 
I would encourage you after this episode, or you could pause this episode, to in the notes section of your phone to just sit and think about all the privileges that you have in your life. So think about this question, which I got from the So You Want to Talk About Race book, which is, who doesn't have the same freedom and opportunities that I have right now? I also have internet privilege, which I forgot about because there is a a small subset of the population that doesn't have access to Wi-Fi and internet. So I have a smartphone. I have a stable home environment that I live in right now. So all of these things are a privilege. The fact that I can be safe in my home is a privilege. Um, so even as a, even though I am a black woman, I have many, many privileges and recognizing my privileges and recognizing your privileges will help you to be better, a better person and will help me to be a better DEI practitioner and will help me to be a better ally. So it's important to adopt the mindset that you don't know anything. You don't know everything. I'm sorry. Um, even you don't know anything. I just assume that even though I, I don't like the title, sometimes people will describe me as a diversity, equity, and inclusion expert. And I'm like, I'm not an expert because I'm an expert in my own experiences as a millennial black woman. I am an, who lives in the United States. I am an expert. I'm not even an expert because my experience, we're not a monolith. So I might have experiences as a millennial black woman living in the United States that are vastly different from a millennial black woman who lives in another part of the country, who lives in the South, who lives in on the West Coast, who lives in Australia. So it's important to adopt the mindset that you don't know everything, you don't know anything. I try not to assume that because I'm a DEI practitioner that I'm quote unquote woke and I have that there's nothing else that I have to learn. I think um, diversity, equity, and inclusion work is an ongoing, is life work. There is always one more thing that we can learn, and we are never uh, perfect. There's always, you know, growth to be had. Um, so give yourself grace and give others grace to learn and to grow, but also acknowledge excuse me, that you are still learning. Recognize that, um, and this is important, that just because you are from a marginalized group does not mean you do not have privilege or benefit from white privilege. So we we touched on this in last week's episode, um, that being from a marginalized group doesn't mean you have white privilege. You could, um, there are privileges in, uh, being white adjacent. So you might be white passing or be part white, or even the way that you talk might be perceived as, you know, or people might hear you and say like me, someone might hear me on this podcast or hear me on the phone, think that I'm a white woman. I get that a lot. Um, and that's a privilege. I can have a convert. I can call up a business or call my cell phone company or call customer service. And that's a privilege. People treat me differently because they think that when I call somewhere that I'm a white woman. So I recognize that privilege. So once you recognize your privilege, you can better recognize how to help 
um, how to best help those without those specific privileges that you have. And then you can amplify their voices. If I recognize that because I am a lighter skinned black woman, I get privileges that a a darker skinned black woman does not, I can be a better ally, amplify, and I try to amplify the voices of of, uh, dark skinned women, black women, women of color, just recognizing the privileges I have and helping those that do not have the same privileges. Um, So... Uh, white privilege is very important to discuss, but it's also important to acknowledge that we all have privileges that we benefit from and that these privileges could be used to foster more diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. Remember that having privilege does not make you a bad person. What makes you a bad person is recognizing that you have privilege and deciding not to do anything about it. So having privilege doesn't make you a bad person. I think there's a misconception that like having being privileged means you didn't work hard to get to where you are today, but having privilege means that you have access and opportunities that some group of people do not have. So that is a privilege. When you're thinking about your own privileges and how to have effective racial dialogue, I would say four words. Read, listen, learn, amplify. Read more about people from other cultures. Listen, and this is probably the most important part, listen to black women. Listen to women of color. Listen to transgender people. Listen to people who are different from you and learn from those experiences and then amplify. Amplify their voices, share their stories, and do what you can once you recognize the privileges that are awarded to you. Um, so the last thing is uh, that I would want you to remember is to don't treat people how you want to be treated. I think that this is a misnomer, the golden rule. Um, I think we should treat people how they want to be treated. Just because you wouldn't find something offensive doesn't mean that another person wouldn't. So rather than treating people how you want to be treated, treat people how they want to be treated. Everyone is different. And again, just because you would want something does not mean that others would want that. So let's all, with that, let's all try to infuse more love into the world and into the workplace. Thank you all so much for checking out this episode. I hope you learned a lot. If you decide to do the privilege activity where you sit and write down all your privileges in the notes of your phone, I would love to hear what some privileges you came up with are. So um, let's connect on LinkedIn. Let's connect on Instagram. I'm on those places the most. I'm, I'm slowly getting back onto Facebook. I have two Facebooks. I have um, so maybe I'll leave that in the show notes. Maybe I'll leave my Facebook because I'm, I'm getting on it more. I just, not the hugest fan of Facebook, but I love Instagram. So I guess because Instagram is an extension of Facebook, I guess I love Facebook too. But, um, yeah, let's connect. I would love to hear what some of the privileges you recognize in your life are. Thank you all for listening and I will check you all out later. Bye.